Welcome to the Access Church Podcast. Welcome to Access Church, where the Spirit of the Lord is free to move as He pleases. How many of you believe that this morning? How many of you believe that this morning? So speaking of will, I want to continue with the sermon series, but first I want to I remind you of a time when Jesus went to a place called the Garden of Gethsemane. How many of you remember the Garden of Gethsemane? And so Jesus goes to the Garden of Gethsemane, and as we get into this message, if you've been here in the last couple of weeks, you know that Pastor Brian has taken us on a journey about the devoted life in Christ. We're being devoted fully devoted come on say devoted fully devoted and we've been in this devoted life and and as I was reading I was and I was reminded of that right now the Lord took me as I was studying this to the time when Jesus was at the garden of Gethsemane and he was praying and God had said I want you to give up your life for the ones that need you so imagine you're in the garden at Gethsemane, every, you're asking people to pray with you and to be there with you, and then suddenly you're there by yourself and you're sweating blood and, and you're praying, and suddenly you look up and you talk to the Father and you go, Father, if at all possible, let this cup pass me by. Now, now let me explain that, that, that terminology. Let me explain that phrase right there. Let this cup pass me by. You know, he was talking in the language of a kingdom, of a king. You know, kings had cupbearers. How many of you know that? Kings had cupbearers. How many of you know what the cupbearer's uh, job was? The, the, the cupbearer's job was to taste the drink before the king drank it in case it had poison, so that if it had poison, it would get to him and not to the king. Very exclusive, very highly paid job, <laughs> but also... Very dangerous. Because if somebody wanted to kill the king, you had to taste his drink first. So when Jesus said, Father, if at all possible, let this cup pass me by. He knew that the cup had poison in it. Well, come on. He knew that it had poison. He knew that it had death. So he said, if I drink this cup, it's going to kill me. Father, if at all possible, let this cup pass me by. But then he said something very powerful. Let it not be my will, but yours. Let not my will be done, but yours be done. And so what he did, he did something powerful. He exchanged positions and he decided to step away as a king for a moment. And he became our cup bearer so that he would drink that cup go to the cross, drink the cup, and die for us so that we as kings could have eternal life. So if there's somebody in the scripture that has taught, it, uh, that has taught us a devoted life is Jesus. He is the head of the church. Come on, say Jesus is the head. He's the example and we as the body need to follow his example where he said, not my will, but yours be done. And so I, as I get into this message today, I want to talk to you about Jesus. I want to talk to you about how he was devoted and how we as the body, how we as the church need to also be as devoted as he was. He is the head of the church and we are the body. And as the body, we are the expression of the head. Come on, say, I am the expression of the head. You know when Jesus said, I don't have a, a place where to lay my head? He says, everybody, the foxes, everybody has a place. They have their hope. They have a place where to lay their head, where to, where to position the head. When he said, I don't have a place where to lay my head, it's because he still didn't have a body. Oh, come on. So after he resurrected, he became a what? Our, our, our head. Why? Because we now gave him a body 
A head without a body can't do anything. So we need to follow the head because the head is what tells the body what to do. And if the head was devoted, then the body needs to be devoted. If the head turns right, then the body should turn. Because if the body doesn't turn right, man, I'm getting a little bit out of my message here, but if the I'm just going to flow. But if the body doesn't turn where the head turns, that means that the body has palsy. That means that the body is not responding to the head. And during this time of 21 days of praying and fasting, this last leg, this last week, as we're heading into the last part of it, let your body position itself to move where the head moves. If the head wants you to go that way, then you go that way because the body's will should be what the hat commands it to do and if the head wants to go left then the body needs to go left if the head wants to go right then the body needs to go right because if it doesn't then it has palsy how many of you remember the man with he had palsy he couldn't do anything why because the head had no control over the body come on but when jesus when the head, come on, when the one, the head gets control of the body, then the body does what the head says. And so today, I want to give you a glimpse of what that looks like now. A body, come on, say a body. I want to give you a glimpse of the early church. In the book of Acts chapter Chapter 2, verses 42 through 47, we're going to be looking at specific verses. But I want you to give you, I want to give you a glimpse of the church. First things first. I want to give you a glimpse of what happened. Acts 2 gives us a glimpse of the very earliest church after Jesus was raised from the dead, after he resurrected, and after he was gone up to be with the Father. And it has long fascinated me. It has inspired me. It has I have seen it. That how the church functioned in its early stage. How many of you remember the church in its early stage? And so that's what I want to talk about. The devoted life of the church. Let's read Acts 2, 42 through 47. Let's look at those verses. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayers. And they what? Devoted themselves. I want us to look at the picture of devotion through the early, cha the, the early church as, as, as we get into it. And it is easy to compare our own church and say, well, we, we're, we're not like that church. We're not like those people yet, but we are. We are like those people. We are like that church. We are like the first church. It's easy to compare our own church and say, well, they, they were in a different situation than we are. They were, they were persecuted. How many of you remember there was over a little over 3,000 people that were left and they were living outside and they were persecuted. And we'll get into a little bit more into that later. But they were persecuted and they were sent down. They left the city and they started becoming a family. Come on, somebody say family. They started devoting themselves to this body. Why? Because the head had left an instruction. Come on, say the head left an instruction. He told the body what to do. And so when they started do, doing this, you know, we see this, this group of people coming together and being in fellowship. And, and we're looking at this glimpse of this early church. And sometimes it doesn't look like that because there's so many denominations that there's so many divisions now. There's so many separations now that we look. Even we've even seen abuse of some pastors and some churches. And maybe we've seen all of this. But guess what? There is something different that God wants to do in the church. And we got to start here. We got to change the picture of what the church looks like to the world. Come on, somebody say, I want to change the image. And so we're going to change the image by looking at this first church. Let's look at what they were doing. I want to experience what this church was experiencing at the time. I want to look at it. And so as I started rationalizing the differences, as I started seeing the differences, I told myself, hey, you know what? This can happen. We can be like this early church. We can turn it around. We can change it. We can be like them. 
And so I'm going to take you through this journey and we're going to look at it so we can emulate, so we can go through it and we can see it and we can see how the first church looked like. I want a Snapchat. I want a, what did we call it? A blueprint. There was a while back when Access Church started that we were given a prophetic word that we would be the blueprint to other churches and other ministries. And so as I see this church, I want to I be where they were at because of the end result. When we see the end results of this, I want to be where they're at. I want people to say something's going on at Axis Church, not because we're better or because we're the, be- the best. or but No, because we want to position ourselves where God wants us to be so that we can be an example and live by example for others. How many of you believe that with me today? I want to position myself. Because it's not only about the building, it's not only about gathering. This is not the body. This is not just, it's not just gathering. The body is about functioning outside the church building. And you doing your part outside the church building. Come on, say, I need to do my part. You're like, Pastor, you make us say too many things because if you say it, you're gonna believe it. You're gonna hear it. Come on, say, repetition, repetition. I live with a teacher. Repeat after me. I live with a teacher. Repetition, repetition, repetition. If I hear it enough, I'm going to start believing it. Come on. I'm going to start believing it. So first things first. I like this part. Let's, let's continue to read verse 43. And the word of God says this. 243, and, and a sense of awe, reverential fear came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were performed through the apostles. The special messengers, I'm reading out of the Amplified, 44. And all who believe, who adhere to and trusted in their, and relied on Jesus were united together. They had everything in common. Say they had everything in common. All things in common. 45. And they sold their possessions, both their land and property, their movable goods, and distributed the price among all according as everybody had a need. 46, and the word of God says, and day after day, they regularly assembled in the temple with united purpose, and in their homes, they broke bread, including the Lord's Supper. They partook of their food with gladness and simplicity and generous hearts. 47, constantly praising God and being in favor and goodwill with all the people. Come on, say all the people. And the Lord kept adding to To their number daily, those who are being saved from spiritual death. So I want us to look at they. Who is they? Come on, say they. I want you to get your finger. Come on, get your index finger. And I want you to point it to you and say, I am a they. I want you to turn around and look at your neighbor and say, They are they. We are they. The first verse in our text today, in verse 42, say they. Come on, say they. They, in this verse, is those who were believers in Christ. A little over 3,000. They were gathered together as a community and as a family before exploding out and spreading the gospel of the kingdom. So they continually continually and faithfully devoted themselves to the instruction of the, of the apostles. So let's look at these four disciplines that they were doing. So I think that the main teaching that I want to get to you in this sermon is found in verse 42. These followers of Christ devoted themselves to four things. Number one, the apostles' teaching. Number two, fellowship. Number three, eating together. And number four, prayer. These four disciplines are essential in our church. They're essential in our life. They're essential to the growth of this church community, this church family. And I think that if we follow them, we're going to see great things happen. How many of you believe that with me? This, This disciplines took precedence over other things. Devotion, let's read this. Devotion denotes a love, loyalty, and enthusiasm with which they lived. 
Let me repeat that for you. Devotion denotes a love, loyalty, and enthusiasm which where they lived. They had a passion for what they did. That's devoted. If you're devoted, you need to have a passion for what you are doing. Pastor was telling us last week, it's not just on Sundays. You got to have a passion to live daily a walk with Christ. It's not just when things are going good. It's not just when you're getting a raise. It's not just when God is healing you. It's got to be on a daily basis, no matter what comes your way. I got to be fully devoted. I got to be excited because when I have a revelation of who I am in Christ and my destiny and my purpose, let me tell you something, then I will know that no matter what comes my way, nothing's going to happen to me. How many of you remember? This is one of my favorite stories when Jesus told the disciples, let's go to the other side. They were crossing the lake. The storm comes and he's asleep. And as he's sleeping, they start panicking. Come on, say they start panicking. What happens when storms come our way? What happens when I didn't get a call from my, from my mom or my dad or my daughter or my son or, or when things are going bad or when, when I didn't get the position that I wanted to get or was a, a storm comes in your life? Daily you will get storms. But when you're devoted, say when I'm devoted... I know my position and I know my destiny and purpose. And Jesus knew that his death would not come on a boat. He knew that his death was going to come on a cross. And so no matter what storm came, he says, since I'm not dying on a boat, then I'm going to take a nap. So when the storm comes, he stops the storm, but the lesson was not to teach the disciples to stop the storms. The lesson was to teach the disciples, hey, you've got to understand your purpose and your destiny. We're not supposed to die here because after I go to the cross and I die and I resurrect, then there's going to be something born called the church and you will be the apostles and you'll be part of it and you need to teach. So you can't die on this boat. Mm. So I don't care what comes our way. I don't care what comes against us. We have a destiny and a purpose. Come on, somebody say with me, I have a destiny. I can't die here. I have something to do. It's not my time yet. David was facing Goliath. I believe David wrote Psalm 23 before he faced Goliath. And as he was, as Psalm 23 was going by, he was talking in shepherd voice, in shepherd mode. But suddenly he changes his language to kingdom mode. And that's when he said, hey, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. But then he said this. He said, you anoint my head with oil. Remember Samuel, when he anointed him, what did he anoint him to be? The king of Israel, come on, my cup runneth over. That was symbolic for life and that abundant. Come on, remember I told you about the cup? So he says, when I face this giant, I'm not supposed to die because I have not been crowned king of Israel yet. So when you're fully devoted to God, God will tell you your destiny and your purpose so that no matter what comes in your life, your devotion to him will cause you not to stumble and fall on the way, will cause you to keep on going. And even when the trials and tribulations come, you know that that's not your destiny. My life doesn't end here. Come on. You tell that problem today. You tell that sickness. You tell that infirmity. You tell that problem. My life doesn't end here. This is not what I was meant to do. I was meant to be fully devoted. And my devotion is going to cause victory in my life. So we need to have this type of devotion. We need to have this type of atmosphere. We need to have this in our lives. Come on, think about that. Why do I go through what I go through? Why does the devil keep attacking me? 
Why do problems keep coming my way? Because he wants to stop what God is about to do here. But I want us to look at this four things today. Man, I don't know about you, but I'm excited. There's a fire in this place. There's a fire in this place. There's a fire in this place. There's a fire in this church. There's a fire burning here. And I know I sound too excited and everything, but I can't contain because remember, I'm a prophet. I can see. I can see what's coming, and I get so excited about what's coming. I get so excited about what's coming. Just, there's a lot of work, and there's a little bit of people doing the work. We need more people. So God is going to give us four ways of getting to that place, to that position. So the very first thing that this community did after they were persecuted and sent out of Jerusalem. You see, the reason they left Jerusalem is because they were being persecuted by the Romans. They were being persecuted by, even by the traitors, by the, by the Pharisees who was betraying them. So they had to leave Jerusalem and go outside the city and establish a community that became the ecclesia, the church, the called out ones. And as they sat there, the very first thing they did is they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Come on, say the apostles' teaching. The teaching of the apostles. One of the very first things, one of the characteristics of this church that I found when I got here is that this is a learning church. We're always learning. We will never stop learning. When I met Pastor Brian, one thing that I learned and I learned from his life is that he never stops learning. He's always searching. I'm always searching. My, my wife's always searching. And one thing that I found out about this church is that we're always getting deeper learning and searching. And the more we devote ourselves to the teaching of the pastors and the teachers, that's why our pastor brings guests to this church. So we continue to learn. The more we devote ourselves to learning, the more we will get into depth of the word of God and understand the revelation of the word of God in us. Come on, say, I am an open letter. I am the word of God living here and here. People Some people will never make it to a church building, but they'll read you. They'll read your actions. They'll read the word in you. And so the, the, the teaching of the apostles will be manifested in you. Everything you're learning here has a purpose. We're just not filling in the blank on Wednesdays. We're learning. We're just not doing, oh, we're just having a Wednesday service so we have something to do in the middle of the week. It's not hump, it's not hump day. It's not get over, go over the, over the hill day or no, it's a day that we learn. But also on Sundays, we continue to learn. But on a daily basis, we continue to learn. Every time we, I open my app, I'm always getting a little note or a little something in our groups where Pastor Brian is sending us little notes. We're always learning something. They devoted themselves to the teaching of the apostles. If God is going to do something through us in this body, in this church, they, we need to learn to sit down and listen to the teaching of Jesus through our apostles, through our pastors, through our teachers, through everybody. And it doesn't, it doesn't only stop right there. It's not only exclusive to pastors and teachers and apostles because at some point what is taught to you makes you responsible now to go and teach it to others. Jesus said, go and make disciples of all of the nations. So your job is that what you hear here in this place on Wednesdays and Sundays and on Tuesdays and whenever you get together on Fridays, even in prayer, your job is to go out there and continue to teach this word that's been taught to you that is being fully devoted and so these men these women <laughs> that had spent years with Jesus walking with him you would think that they would know everything you would think that they had learned a lot of things but they were still learning as people came because here's Peter who walked with Jesus. But then suddenly here comes a Paul years later that taught Peter things. 
Peter was still stuck in some old school ways. But, but Paul had to be raised to come because he knew the law. And he says, this is no good. The old way is no good. And you're trying to mix it. Sometimes there's things that we still have in our hearts that need to be removed. And that's why God raises teachers and leaders. And that's why we got to be devoted to the teaching of the word so we can be transformed completely. You're just not sitting here because it's another Sunday and you feel real good. You're not just sitting here because you know that the Cowboys play at 5.30 this afternoon. You know, you're, that, that, you're not just seated here because, oh, it's, it's another day to go to another Sunday service and I'm going to feel good about it and I'm going to go on a Sunday. No, you're here because you want to learn the word of God. You want to walk out of here walking as the living word. The word of God says, and Jesus, the word became flesh. I want the word to become flesh in me. I want to be an open letter. I want people to see God, to see Jesus, to see the Holy Spirit. Spirit. I want people to see healing, prosperity, life abundant. I want people to see something so different that when they read me, they go, we know they have been with Jesus. They would just look at them and they would say, oh, these are Jesus people. Come on. I would say those are access people. They, they dress different, they look different, they talk different, they move different. They don't panic in the middle of a storm in the middle, on a boat. Come on, they walk different, they do things different there. Something's weird about them. Good. Because we follow the teaching of the apostles. How many of you know that Jesus heals? How many of you know that Jesus saves? How many of you know that Jesus delivers? And Jesus transforms? That doesn't happen only inside a church building. It happens with the body. The second thing we learn from them, from those apostles, is that they were, as they were studying together, they became stronger in the word. They, they became believers. They became the plumb line of the things that they were to follow. Because let me tell you something. When you start reading the word, it seems that you're just reading, reading. It's all information. But when you get the information, then you get the revelation because you have the Holy Spirit inside of you. Let me repeat that. When you have the Holy Spirit inside of you, when you get information, then you get revelation. Because you, and then you take it to another level. Son, suddenly, Psalm 23, 1, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, I don't want, goes to another level. It's just not Psalm 23 that, that somebody reads at a funeral. Psalm 23, 1, the Lord is my shepherd, I don't want. You get a revelation that he has supplied every need in your life. And now some, something comes out of that word and becomes alive in you. Now you understand that every time you hear the word shepherd, you know what do shepherds do? Shepherds gather, shepherds heal, shepherds take care of you. We never stop learning. Let me keep on going. The other thing they did is they fellowship together. Come on, say Fellowship. John 1.3 says, all things were made and came into existence through him. Come on, say through him. Through him. And without him, not even one thing was made that has come into being. Everything was made through who? Him. And now we represent who? Him. So everything that happens in this earth happens when we're in fellowship together and we become the body. Everything comes through us. Oh. <laughs> People are never going to see miracles and healing unless we're in fellowship together, unless we're in unity together. Come on. We're just not hanging out a bit for conversation. We don't hang out just to hang out and just to eat. Let it be known that every time we hang out, every time we're in fellowship, it's because we're getting knitted together. We're becoming a net. We're becoming stronger. We're getting to know each other. We're identifying the gifts in each other. I identify your gifts, you identify my gifts, and we help each other. We build each other. We construct each other. We're in fellow. That's what fellowship is all about, about building up each other and understanding and getting to know each other so that we understand the function of the body. I need a hand. Oh, I know who's a hand. Call Mike. He's a hand. Mike Martinez is a hand. He's always picking up stuff. He's always cleaning stuff. Come on. 
And, and, and I need a little pinky. Because the pinky is the only one that has the ability to go into your ear and clean. How many of you have ever done this? I said on Wednesday, I, I, I used to steal my mom's bobby pins. How many of you still remember what bobby pins are? If you remember what bobby pins are, then you're in uh, 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 Access Plus. Anyway, <laughs> come on. <laughs> That's when things were functional. <laughs> now you go like this. Back then you used to get mom's pin, you know, bobby pin. And, and then I would leave it there. My mom would get all mad. Ah, who used this? Her, head, her hair was full of wax. Come on, say life doing together is a relationship in Christ. The bond we share in Christ is because of our relationship with the Lord. He is the glue that holds us together. He is the glue that allows us to come together and fellowship and be in companionship and take care of each other and look out for each other. We were in fellowship. When you come into fellowship with each other, something else happens. The word of God says, where there's two or three gathered together, there also is the Lord. Why? Because now we become a body that has a head. And so those, this, this is an essential part of being, than, being, than, being more than just a church. It's called being a family. Come on. We are just more than just a gathering place. We are a family that's in fellowship. Yes, like brothers and sisters, we're going to have disagreements. Yes, we're gonna, we might, you know, get mad at each other. But we also have something called the love of the Father that brings us together. And so when we're in fellowship, it always leads us to another thing that they did. They broke bread together. This is my favorite part of this sermon. They were eating meals together. Come on, say they broke bread together. Because when you fellowship, you can't fellowship without breaking bread. See, the whole purpose of them eating together is because in the Bible, eating together was symbolic of covenant. You couldn't just come to my table and sit down at my table until you had covenant with me. Come on, say covenant. So this is two parts here. It's symbolic of two parts. It's not only, you know, cooking out at Raul's. Amen. <laughs> Watching the Cowboys game. Making fake hamburgers. Because we're in fasting and prayer. <laughs> beyond burgers and beyond chicken nuggets. Amen. Or eat and repent. No, I'm just kidding. This is beyond just cooking out. This is also that every time you sit together, Jesus sat with the disciples. Remember when he had the last supper? It was called the last supper. They were having like a Thanksgiving meal, a Thanksgiving dinner. And while they were doing that, he says, oh, an idea just came to me. <laughs> let, let, let me get a piece of bread. Let me tell you what this symbolizes. This is my body. It'll be crushed. And, and so he he broke it and he gave it to each one of them. See, the bread was whole, but in order to give it out, he had to break it. In order for us to be giving out, we come. We are given out into the world. We're giving. We're, we're the body that's broken and given out into the world. A piece of the bread of the whole loaf is given out. But then in order for it to become whole again, it needs to come back together. So every time we come back together, we make the body whole again, the bread whole again. So it can also be, it can be, get again, it can be invested, it can be uh, 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 changed, it can be molded, it can be transformed, it can be taught so that then it can be broken and given out again. Hmm. So everybody can get a taste of the bread. And so then every time we have a meal, he was having the meal, he broke the bread, then he took the what? He took the wine and then he drank it. He says, this is my blood. And let me tell you something. A body without blood is dead. There's a common blood we have in this body and it's the blood of Jesus Christ. This body has a common blood going through its veins and that blood is perfect. It gives the body life. Oof. So when you fellowship and you're coming together and you had a meal, I'm going to recommend this. Every time my family and I get together to a meal, we sit down and we always remember 
Christ. We always remember what he did at the cross for us, and we always thank him. I don't, I don't wait till a Sunday when we bring bread and, 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 and grape juice and we have communion. I have communion as much as I can every day to remember Christ. Every, every time I sit down to eat a meal, when you're eating those vegetables this week, everybody's like, oh, Lord, one more week. One more week. I don't want to see rice for another three months, Lord. Couscous. Come on, beans. But let me tell you something. You're not doing this because of the rice and the couscous and the beans or because you're being obligated. You're doing this because of what some young man just said a little while ago. You're doing this because you're getting changed and transformed on the inside. And if during the breaking of the meal, you can come together and fellowship together and understand that you're here because of what Jesus did on the cross by getting his body destroyed and by shedding his blood. That means that that is what got us together to become the body of Jesus Christ in Luke chapter 24 we understand that they had communion together and they had the meal together but also we understood that Jesus established a covenant with them come on somebody say food is covenant when you eat with somebody it becomes intimate there's this restaurant that I visited uh, a while back in, 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 in this town. And I remember that when I went to go visit this restaurant, it was a restaurant where they served the food and they put it on the table. And they put, uh, they put chicken and mashed potatoes and beans and coleslaw and carne asada and, 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 and all this, you know, good food. <laughs> I'm testing your spirit. I'm testing your spirit. I didn't hear anybody say hallelujah, so we're doing good. But then... What they do is you pay and you go sit at the table and you sit with strangers. And everybody gets to grab from those bowls. And you would go. And I remember I went and I was with another man and I sat there. And I remember it was in Sweetwater, Texas. And I remember, where, can you pass the bowl? Yeah, hey, what do you do? Well, I work in the oil field. Well, what do you do? Well, I'm a pastor. Oh, what do you do? And suddenly we started fellowshipping in that table with strangers. You know who's doing that? Access Plus. Access Plus. They're fellowshipping. They're breaking bread out in restaurants so that they can invite others. So that that can become the entry, the door, so that they can come to Jesus Christ. The way to the kingdom is through a meal. Through a covenant. The last thing they did is they prayed together. Come on, say they prayed together. The disciples of Jesus enjoyed a full devoted life of prayer. They would pray together. They would come together. They would pray together. I challenge you, Access Church. I, I challenge you. Find yourself a prayer partner. Find yourself somebody. Come on, I challenge this last week. Call somebody and say, I want you. Look for somebody after service and say, I want you to become my prayer partner. And wake up every morning at 5 or at 6 and call each other. And each one of you pray 15 minutes for each other. And for 15 minutes, declare the word to each other. For 15 minutes, declare you are healed. You are blessed. You are full of life. You're blessed in the coming in and blessed in the going out. For 15 minutes, pray nothing but the word over them. And then let them pray over 15 minutes over you. You say, Pastor, that's a long time, 15 minutes. Hey, you should know the word by, by, by then. Open up the Bible. Buy a, a book of promises of the word and read, that, read the promises of the word. Get to know the word of God so you can pray it over people. That's why you have the teaching of the apostles. And so for 15 minutes, let somebody pray for you and you pray for them. Find yourself a prayer partner this week. And let it continue. And say, hey, prayer partner, good morning. I'm going to pray for you 15 minutes. You pray for me 15 minutes. And let me tell you, the glory of God is just going to be all over this place. And then change partners. And switch and say, you know what, next week I'm going to find somebody else. Start it. Somebody say, people who pray together, stay together. You develop a relationship, a fellowship as you pray together. Find prayer partners, somebody that you, you don't even know. Don't, don't say, I'm going to do this with my wife because you'll stop two days later. Because suddenly the wife will be praying, Lord, change my husband. Let him be more organized in Jesus' name. Let him take out the trash. The Bible says you should take out all the trash in Jesus' name. Get rid of all the things. No, no, don't, don't pray with you. Pray for, 
Pray with somebody else. And during the prayer, say, Father, give me wisdom. Give me understanding. Give me revelation. Give me boldness. Give me favor, Lord, so I can do the things that I need to do. Amen. And then I'm going to finish up today with the results. This will take me about five, ten minutes. I'm going to finish. What are the results of all these things? If I am devoted to the teaching of the apostles. If I'm in fellowship with my brothers and my sisters, my friends in church. If I become somebody who's in fellowship with each other. And we break bread together and eat meals together. And then we pray together. What's going to happen? I love this. Let's go to Acts chapter 2 verse 43 and it says, And a sense of awe came over everyone. Come on, say awe. Does anybody know what awe is? Have you ever heard of the word awesome? What do you think the word awesome comes from? When you're left without breath, the word of God says that Queen Sheba came to visit. How many of you remember that story? Came to visit Solomon because of his what? Fame. And when she walked into his palace, the Bible says she was in awe. That she was without breath. In other words, O-M-G. How many of you have ever been to Cowboy Stadium or to AT&T Stadium? How many of you have ever driven up to it? When you first drive up to it, you're in awe because you go, oh, this is where the best team plays. Oh, they haven't won a Super Bowl in forever, but they're the, still the best team. They're America's team. We're believing. Jesus' name. Father, we pray for the Cowboys in Jesus' name. Give them strength, Lord. All I know is that the word of God says that the wise man follow the star. That's, I'm just going to leave it there. I'm just going to leave it there. Come on, say they had a sense of awe. When they devoted, when we devote ourselves to these four things, one result we're going to have is that the people are going to be in awe. When they walk into this building, will, will, will the people be in awe? Well, the people go, oh, somebody walked in there with cancer and they left totally healed. Somebody walked in there that was getting ready to divorce and they, they renewed their vows. Come on. Somebody walked in there that they were about to take their life. They were about to commit suicide. But when they walked into that place, they were in such awe of what they felt there. The glory, the presence of God that it transformed them. It left them in awe. Come on, send, say a sense of awe. I want the real Texas. I want this whole surround community to be in awe of what God is doing at Access Church. I want them to go, oh, did you hear what's going on there? Oh, people are getting healed. People are getting transformed. People are getting changed. They're in awe. Because when people are in awe, that means God is awesome. The awesomeness of God is in this place. Come on, say a sense of awe. When you're fully devoted, I want to experience this. I grew up in church where every service, there was miracles going on. You remember that, Pastor? When every service, healings, miracles were going on. I want that in this place. How many of you want that in this place? I feel that at the end of this journey of 21 days of fasting, we're going to start seeing things that are going to make us go, Oh, did you see what happened? Did you hear what happened? The second thing that happened is that there were signs and wonders. Come on, say signs and wonders. Signs and wonders. A sense of awe was felt by everyone, but many wonders and signs. Many miracles were taking place. Awe is produced by the signs and wonders. When people see miracles happening, they want to go where the miracles are happening. When people see transformation, they want to go where transformation is at. When people are going through a problem, he says, hey, you know what? Call one of those Access Church people. If they pray for you, things happen. Come on. I'm, 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 not, I'm not making us look big or, or being haughty about. No, I want the presence of God to be. The word of God says that Solomon's fame was known throughout the land. 
Jesus' fame was known throughout the land because of the things he was doing. Fame is not going to come because we're haughty. Fame is going to come because of what God is doing. Come on, say, God gets all the glory. Let's finish this up. Come on, say, signs and wonders. Signs and wonders would happen. I have to admit that for me, this is part of how I grew up. Seeing signs and wonders, praying for the sick, speaking in tongues, people getting filled with the word of God. The prophetic word was rampant throughout. People would speak and give word to each other and God would do miraculous things and people would confirm. We didn't have to wait for a prophet to come to give us direction. We had each other to prophesy to each other. And when we would pray for each other, God would give us word to each other and say, you know what? The Lord showed me this about you. And you're like, wow, how did you know? Signs and wonders. Come on, say signs, signs and wonders. Another thing that happened was unity. Come on, say unity. Everybody got closer because of those four things. Unity happened. I want this church, this church to be known for its unity. We're all different. We have different personalities. We have different characters. But we should have one thing in common. Jesus. Through Jesus, we should look all the same. Come on, say unity. All those who believed, verse 44, all those who believed in Jesus Christ were together and had all things in common. All things in common. There was no need. Come on, say there was no need. You know why? Because this other four things also produce, and I want to close with this, produce this. They produce generosity. Come on, say generosity. And they began selling their property and possessions and were sharing the proceeds with all the believers as anyone had need. This is amazing generosity. I don't know about you. I don't, I don't know how I would react. I, I was about to ask my wife because this week the Lord asked me, he says, if I asked you to sell everything so you could give it to other people, would you sell it? And that's a hard question. If I, if, I, if I asked, if the Lord asked you, Pastor, to sell your tennis shoes so you could bless somebody, in a minute he would do it. You know why? Because where, where they came from, there's many. And I, I want Access Church to be known as a church that has generosity, that's generous, that gives, gives without measure. And so I believe that if we're generous, God is going to bless us. That's why we have an opportunity for your generosity. That's why this week, next week, this week, you're going to pray. You say, Lord, I want to be generous. That's why the Lord has given our pastor the vision for first fruit. Where you go, oh my God. And again, I remember, I remember when he was talking about, oh, it's a whole week's salary. First fruit is a whole week's salary. And you go, a whole week's salary. But you know what? These people had generosity. That says they sold their houses. They sold their properties. So everybody had something to eat. And you go, well, does that mean that we're all going to share? We all need to sell our property? No. It means that when you give your first fruit, when you give during this, you give your once week salary, when you give into the kingdom, when you give your tithes and your offerings, then the kingdom of God, is preached and proclaimed but we make more room so more people can be brought into the kingdom of God that means we give into missions that means we support other ministries that means we expand the kingdom that's why there, there is Del Rio that's why there's Eagle Pass and now there is Brackettville and then San Antonio will come and El Paso will come and all other places will come why? because of our generosity We need to be a church with generosity. We're not asking you to sell your house and your property. Now, if God tells you, well, praise God. We're not asking you to do what they did here. They, there was a different reason why they did that here. They had to sell everything because they had to move out of the city and reestablish themselves. But when we're a generous church, people go every time. What I learned in that church about giving and generosity changed my life. Trust God. The result is that people were thankful. They praised. 
and they had favor with all the people and the verse ends this way and finally in verse 47 and the Lord kept adding to their number daily those who were being saved when you're devoted when you're devoted God will continue to add to this church when you're devoted to the teaching of the apostles when you're devoted to what to fellowship when you're devoted to the breaking of the bread when you're devoted to praying together when a sense of all comes and signs and wonders and unity and generosity happens in a church then people want to belong there people want to be of that body people want to be there and so when that happens then God moves please stand up with me with me father I want to be fully devoted I want things to change I want people out there to look in here to look at us as a body and to go Jesus is there Jesus they're part of Jesus I can tell they've been hanging around with Jesus. And as we finish this week, and we finish strong in our 21 days of fasting and praying, Father, I pray that we can commit ourselves to what you've been doing for us. Commit ourselves to you, to transformation, to anointing. To power, to relevance, to the word. Jesus' mighty name and the people of God say, Amen. Thank you for joining us. And a special thanks to those who have given to support this ministry. Without you, none of this is possible. If you like this podcast, please like and subscribe and share it on social media. Thank you for listening. God bless you.